This is the PR Podcast, a show about how public relations helps you tell your story to the world. We talk with great PR practitioners who have the skills, creativity, and just plain savvy to get their clients noticed. Now here's your host, Jody Fisher. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the PR Podcast. I'm Jody Fisher. Thanks for joining us. Well, we want to say a huge thank you to everyone who listens to the show every week. Since we got past episode 100 just a couple ago, and we're getting back to bringing you the conversations with people across the PR and the news business, we have seen an enormous jump in our listenership, and I have no idea why. But we'll take it, right? We don't want to get too caught up in metrics, but I do have to take notice because those numbers don't lie. And so I just want to say a huge thank you to each and every one of you who listen, who shares on social media, who chimes in, who offers feedback. Um, we really appreciate your, your input uh, and your listenership. You are the reason we do this every week. So we want to thank you very much. Now, don't forget to get yourself a PR podcast plug. That is the feature that we do right here at the top of every show where we plug someone's passion project uh, and, we, and we do it every episode. So that's your website. It's your blog. It's your TikTok channel. It's maybe you play the guitar who, like Steve Kastenbaum. Who knows? Uh, Steve has been a guest on the show. So that's why we, why we throw him out there. But long story short, we want to plug your passion project. So send us a DM on Twitter at the PR podcast and give us a line on your PR podcast plug. Uh, and we will get you plugged at the top of an upcoming show. Now, on to our very special guest today. Let's get right into it. Craig Allen is chief meteorologist at WCBSAM 880, where he's been preparing listeners in the New York City area for the elements for more than 40 years. He's an Emmy Award winner and most recently picked up first place for best weathercast from the Journalists Association of New York. That is a very very cool award because it comes from journalists. Yes. Uh, he is also a familiar <laughs> face to everybody on TV. He's worked at News 12 Long Island. He's worked at WNYW uh, TV, uh, Channel 5 here in New York, uh, Channel 11 here in New York, many more. He is a monumentally respected weatherman and a scientist and a dear friend. Craig, welcome to the PR Podcast. You read that just like I wrote it down for you. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got the check yet. No, just kidding. No, just kidding. Right, right. Well, we have to call out at the top of this. I mean, you, you, you and I, and I meant every word of what I said. You are an incredibly respected professional, uh, and and probably the best weatherman in in the New York uh, tri-state area. Thank you. Um, we are taping this right around the anniversary, the ten-year anniversary of Hurricane Sandy. I guess it's Superstorm Sandy. You'll you'll give me the scientific okay. correction there. Yeah. Um, uh, but for me, it was a hurricane. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't like the term superstorm, uh, but it, but it was given that because of technicalities. But uh, uh, you're right. The anniversary, it's the 10 year anniversary of uh, of Sandy. And that was on the 29th of October. And um, the reason the technicalities behind all of it are that Sandy was a hurricane for sure, uh, had all the tropical characteristics that you can expect from a hurricane, and it was built like one. But as it got to our latitude up towards New Jersey, New York, Long Island, um, it got into somewhat cooler waters and started losing the tropical build that it has, the warm core, so to speak, you know, without trying to get too, too technical about it. Um, and so it became what is now known as a post-tropical storm. I'll, and I'll explain that in a second, too. But in today's world, in today's lingo, it would be known as a post-tropical storm. But since that was not around uh, 10 years ago, 
they took the nomenclature of hurricane off of Sandy because it was no longer featuring tropical characteristics. It was a major storm, though, obviously. And, and so, therefore, was dubbed Superstorm Sandy. Um, in my opinion, I think that it was still was a hybrid it was still enough of a tropical system i mean i think every every bit of evidence shows that there was still somewhat of a warm core and should just go down in the books as hurricane sandy and and that indeed is the way i refer to it more than superstorm but let's face it superstorm sandy also has more of a sexy sound to it than post tropical <laughs> storm you know sandy when, well, regardless of what we call, regardless of yeah. what we call it, it was a devastating storm it was. for the New York City area, specifically Long Island, but but all of the New York area. Uh, and we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, Im immense flooding, yep. huge property damage, loss of life. Um, Forty three, I and, believe. And I yeah. recall ten years ago having uh, about twenty trees down in my backyard and yep. power being out for weeks. Um, you know, and and I and I was lucky. I was lucky. What was it like for you? Where were you? What were you doing? And, and, and if can you wind the tape back to those days? Sure, sure. Um, I was uh, and still am living on the south shore of Nassau County across the street from the bay. <laughs> and uh, I was watching that water come up as the day went on. Now, now, of course, I was still working. For those who don't know, uh, I have a complete weather office in my home so that I don't have to travel back and forth to the city twice a day um, to do the AM drive and the PM drive shifts. And this started, you know, decades ago. And um, so I was here. I, I was right here on the South Shore. And I saw the water coming up uh, while I was working. The water was coming up through the manholes at first. And... Um, the streets then started to get flooded and around 6 p.m. after working from 4 to 6 p.m. that afternoon, well, actually, I probably started a little bit earlier that day. Um, I just turned to my wife and I said, we've got to go. I do have neighbors that stayed uh, in, in town and they watched the water rushing down the street as if it was uh, rapids, you, as if you were doing rapids in, in, in the Poconos or the Catskills. Um, my my neighbors across the street that are on the water uh, had had uh, you know, their their sliders were able to hold out the the abundance of water, but it was leaking in from underneath, and their their houses did get flooded. But they were actually able to look out the sliders and see fish. They were under the bay at that point, and my my pool in the backyard. Fortunately, my house was okay. Uh, because I'm 9.1 feet. And you know what, Jody? I think that point one, <laughs> yes, that point one was what saved me. Before we left, we put pillows behind our garage door. And when we came back, when the waters finally receded, we came back and we saw the pillows were soaked, completely soaked, but the water never got farther than the garage. But the pool in the backyard, when the waters began to recede, there was about four or five inches worth of silt from the bay and I had crabs in the pool <laughs> running around in there crabs and and uh, th there were shells of all kinds and it was like the beach came to to my backyard it was so scary to see what I did see when I came back so to think that if I had stayed here um, I think I think I would have been even more afraid and I heard one uh, you know, as of this anniversary we were doing an interview 
with uh, some of the folks in uh, Freeport and Lindenhurst, which is right on the water there, and those towns flooded, uh, devastating flooding. And one guy just described the scenario of, of himself going another floor up and another floor up, and he says, the next thing I would have to do is go up into my attic with a hammer or an axe. He says, so that if I had to chop my way out, I would do that and get on the roof. And I have to tell you, when when, when he was talking like that, the goosebumps that came up on me to think of someone being in a situation like that, it's like you, it's like your horror movies. Where, where do you go now? What's left besides chopping your way out of a house and standing on the roof and waving for help? So, that, that, I mean, I, I got goosebumps now. I really do. So that was my, that's my, that's my story with Sandy. Probably the, the scariest weather event that I have ever been through and hope that I will ever have been through. Well, uh, yeah, it's 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 challenging to hear you recount that. And and we are I, I would imagine that you and I count ourselves among the lucky ones. I mean, there are people whose houses were just in completely destroyed, whether they were flooded or they were burned down or they had, you know, damaged yeah. by wind or trees fell into them or whatever. Um, you know, really just devastating, devastating storm. Exactly. Um, it's it, got to it, be a challenge yeah. for someone like you and doing your job, because on the one hand, you are there to inform an audience mm -hmm. of what's going on with this weather system while you're simultaneously trying to protect yourself and your family from the very weather right. that you're reporting on. Right. Get us so, in that head. Get us in that headspace there. OK, so I uh, I, I was working probably uh 16, 18 hours a day, the week leading up to um, to Sandy coming in, when I felt it was time to evacuate, I turned it over um, during the worst part of the storm. I admit it. Uh, I, I had my mic with me, but I turned over the actual forecasting duties to someone you may know, a good friend of mine. He's been working at uh, 880 for a long time, too, Todd Glickman. And... Um, he he took over on air until I was able to get back into my home the next day. Um, cleaning up took a while. I didn't get back on the air right away the very next morning because the water was still up. You know, even though Sandy was gone, she, she put so much water inland that the water was still receding. And I, I had um, in the front lawn where the old um, cesspools, the septic tanks used to be, that collapsed. So I had huge holes in, in, in my front, you know, where, where everything had collapsed on down because the water actually invaded underground and, and pulled as the water was pulling out, it, it pulled the sand and, and the ground with it. So I was not on the air that morning, but by the afternoon I was with generator. And like, you know, many parts of Long Island were without electricity for over two weeks. We had gas lines, um, and I don't mean for cars. You had to just go find a gas station that had power to pump the gas, and mostly it was people online with gas cans, with one and five-gallon gas cans or or 25-gallon gas I don't know how they got home, you know, carrying that kind of weight, but that's what they were doing. I remember that, and I remember the fights online. Um, I remember one radio station here in New York started playing Christmas music just to calm people down. Uh, I think it was an HD2 station, but they played Christmas music to try to get people in a better, better mood, better spirit. Because, it, I mean, people were, it, it was, you would think that, that we would come together. Now, obviously, I'm now going into social science here, but unfortunately, people were so upset 
with 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 what was going on that um, we were fighting with each other rather than helping each other. It was it was scary. It was sad to see something like that. And uh, in lieu of your other point, not in lieu of, but to make your other point about how how uh, much damage there was, there are still people today that are still building because they had to wait for permits to raise their home. They were not allowed to rebuild on their on their property if their home was was completely destroyed. They had to wait for permits to start building. And then the companies that that do these uh, house lifting, house raising uh, jobs, they were overloaded with 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 jobs to do. And I still have people in this neighborhood who are trying to raise their homes and are still in the process of uh, of putting putting their lives back together. Yeah, it's it's really amazing, and it's uh, it's still shocking ten years later to see the photos of the devastation and what happened. And and like I said, uh, oh, yeah. I count myself among among <clears throat> the lucky ones uh, from the aftermath. Did the aftermath and the damage that that storm caused did that surprise you or not? I mean, yes. you've you've yeah. seen these storms happen. Right. You know what they can do. Did the aftermath of what the New York area looked like after Sandy surprise you or not? Yes, to a certain extent, yes. And to people who are not um, uh, w- familiar with how these things work, even more so, they were going around and saying, I didn't think it would be this bad. And, um, you know, there's a lot to be said for that because we had nothing to compare it to. Um, and, and that's probably the biggest problem that, that most people had the year before, in 2011, we had Irene. And Irene was a very well forecasted storm. And, but when it got up here, Irene did not cause, because of its positioning, Irene didn't, oh, and it wasn't at high tide, Irene did not cause as much damage as people feared. So now you've got this mindset of, oh, okay, another hurricane, two years in a row. And you're, you think back to 2011 and you say, well, Irene, you know, all right, well, there was flooding, there was trees down. Again, there were many people with without power for, for a week or two, but your life wasn't as disrupted as it was with Sandy. Nobody, ex- uh, you know, really had anything to compare it to for a storm of Sandy's power. And the same thing goes for the folks in New Orleans uh, with Katrina. And the original hurricane in Florida that that got the you know that was named Andrew back in '92, there is a a receptivity bias. In other words, you retain or retention bias. Um, you think of only what you can think of. All right. So so most people were thinking of what happened the previous year with Irene and actually started use that bias to say okay so it's just another another hurricane i don't really have to prepare i don't really have to evacuate because you know last year hey i got through it if i have to put up with no power for 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 a week or two i think i I got through that and i can live with it that that's what was coming into people's heads and no matter how much the weather service um the the emergency management people um, the, the Hurricane Center, National Hurricane Center, no matter how strong the wording, it's very hard to convince people of what a Sandy is going to look like. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And obviously, we're not blaming the people. This is human nature. I mean, if you were to tell me 
you're going to get, uh, I don't want to think of something so, so <laughs> something horrendous, but something's going to happen to you when you walk out of your house this afternoon. And I've never been in a situation like that. It's going to be something odd. Let, 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 let's just say a, a giant eagle is going to come in, like in the cartoons, and pick me up with his claws. And I don't know what that feels like or what that means, you know. Um, but when it happens, I'm going to be scared to death, man, <laughs> because... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not ready for something like that. It, it's true. And, you know, speaking of how weather events like a Hurricane Sandy get covered, um, you, I'm, I'm starting to think about, you know, this concept of entertaining the viewer. You know, right. meteorologists like you and Todd take your science very seriously. Mm -hmm. But there is this there's this element of entertainment, especially on TV, of oh, yeah. entertainment. And you see these folks <laughs> who stand out in the middle of these storms and they, right. you know, lean into the wind and they see how far over they can lean, right. you know, and, and the wind is pushing them and the rain is flying and this sort of infotainment nature. And, and I've heard some people, and I tend to agree with uh, them saying that that is an absolutely um, irresponsible way to mm -hmm. cover a serious, a yes. serious weather event like a Hurricane Sandy. I want to get your opinion on that. I agree. I think it's ridiculous. Um, if, if it becomes deadly like that, um, I will be the first to tell you that if a thunderstorm is approaching, I'm up on my roof. But I know darn well when to get back inside because I, I you know, this is just part of my my nature. I know how thunderstorms react. Yes, there is something called a 30-30 rule, which says if you uh, if you if if the thunder comes within the time you're able to count to 30, um, you know, you, you better get in the house because uh, that, that means it's it's getting very, very close. And you should also wait after a thunderstorm leaves for 30 minutes afterwards to make sure that the storm is far enough away and that there is no lightning out of the back of the storm. Because lightning can strike more than 10 miles away from the center of of, of, of a thunderstorm. And it's called a bolt out of the blue. We, I mean, things like that have happened where a lightning bolt can come out of a thunderstorm that is more than 10 miles away and strike land where the sun is still shining. So, so I, I, I understand that fully. Um, so, yes, I'm up on the roof. When, when um, uh, a storm surge, not, I shouldn't say a storm surge, but let's say a nor'easter is coming along and um, there's flooding down by the south shore be it lindenhurst be it freeport those are those are very famous places on long island that flood uh very 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 frequently and um there's something about it that also gets the goosebumps going on me and i get in the car and i drive down there and i don't i mean the national weather service has a great little uh um saying uh, if, if you know turn around don't drown i'm sure you've heard that one and um, and I do. I will never drive into the water, but I go down there to see it because it it holds such an incredible fascination for me to see Mother Nature at work like that. Why? I mean, why would I get into this business if I wasn't fascinated by what I, you know what's out going on out there and what I'm doing? So yes, I'll be the first to 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 say that I go see some of these events, but would never put myself in harm's way, in danger, and stand out in the middle of a hurricane. You stand out in, in, in the middle of a blizzard, I can understand that too. You know, it, it's not deadly, but it sure is fun to watch um, 
it is very informative, I guess, to say, you know, to show people just how bad it may be if your cameraman is only five feet away and they can't see you, you know, if, from, from the lens. Um, but if it's deadly like that, and, and we just saw it this year with Ian, where, where you know, a tree came, came flying down into someone who has made a career out of being outside in these storms, um, then, then I do agree that it's not something that should be doing. We hear about storm chasers that go after tornadoes, but they know their business. Most of them know what they're doing because they are like, uh, some of them are almost like the, what you can call official tornado chases for the National Weather Service, you know, to get information from the storms. And they don't just haphazardly go out and say, look at that, let's drive towards it. No, they know exactly what they're doing. They've got a plan and they know which way that tornado is going. So I'm not even talking about the experienced tornado chases. I'm talking about someone just going out there just for the fun of showing yourself that you can get hurt. No, 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 no. I completely agree with you. And, and, and that will not be me out there. It will go on forever uh, because it's just the way, like you said, it's just the way the media works, but it won't be me. Let, let's talk just briefly about sure. the difference between, or maybe the impact of, maybe that's the right phrase, um, the, but the difference between weather and climate. And I'm not trying to open up a political discussion right. here, but, but people seem to confuse and conflate the two. That, mm -hmm. oh, it's, it's hot, so there's global warming. Or, gee, it's cold, there must not be any global warming. Can you <laughs> please set us straight? <laughs> okay. First of all, um, uh, climate and weather are totally different facets of the atmosphere. Weather is now, climate is hundreds and hundreds of years of records, or in some cases, it may just be dozens and dozens of years, but that would be considered, that goes into the climate um, category. It's a history of the weather. So that's climate. Weather is what's going on right now. And, and basically my job is, as a meteorologist is now weather. However, um, we all hopefully have been educated in uh, climate and uh, we can compare the now to the past. You cannot though immediately directly link any one particular event to um, to climate change. So there's no, uh, again, you know, well, I'm not going to get political. The facts are there. There's no denying that the Earth has warmed up. You could see it just from the data, from the temperatures. But then you've also got all the anecdotal data, data, that is, of, of the melting ice or the warming oceans, um, different kinds of plant species, different kinds of animal species, the flora, the fauna, uh, all of it is different in different areas. We on Long Island right now, Jody, have, have plants that are much more tropical now than have ever been able to be grown up here before. Uh, the same thing within the ocean. Well, look at look at what we had going on in 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 the ocean this year with with uh, you know the the shark attacks and uh, you know whales are just offshore and that's because there's so much for them to feed on uh, because of, so so these are the anecdotal things insects animals uh, uh, fish and um, so okay so so you've got all that evidence there so I am a firm believer that climate change has occurred. 
But that's not really saying anything until you start getting down to the facts of why we seem to argue so much about it. If I was to tell you, and I heard this statement a lot, that, oh, Ian is because of climate change. No. Ian would have formed, if the conditions were right, in the tropical Atlantic anyway. Ian was going to form. The conditions were there. Now, did Ian get stronger suddenly because of 90-degree water that was be between Cuba and Florida and the Florida Straits? Uh, did that make him rapidly intensify more than, than he normally would have? Absolutely. Um, did, did Ian's rainfall amounts, uh, or, or, or let's go back to Fiona, was Fiona uh, more of a rainfall threat because of more moisture, more warmth, therefore more moisture in the atmosphere, to, to put it as simply as possible? And the answer to that is yes, but Fiona would have happened anyway. So we can't just make a general statement that says, oh, hurricanes, they, they, they're more frequent um, or they're all going to be stronger. We had, I mean, we so far we got up to the letter, did we get up to L? I know we got up to K, I think we got up to L. I know we had Har uh, Carl, which was down in the lower the lower Gulf of Mexico. Now, funny, I can't remember at, at, this, at this second. But I mean, some of these were just simple tropical storms. And it doesn't matter because of where they were. The ocean was a little too cool where they were, or there was um, there was wind shear where they were. Um, perhaps there was upwelling from a previous storm uh, prior to that, or there was dust in the atmosphere. There was a lot of Saharan dust this year, which limited the amount of hurricanes. You remember at the beginning of the season, the Hurricane Center and all private forecasters said that this year was going to be almost as bad as last year. And with the exception of Fiona and Ian, it was not. I mean, yes, we, we, we got up to the letter K or L, but, but um, you, don't, you haven't heard very much about, oh, my God, what a season this is. I can't keep up with it. You heard about Ian and Fiona because they were devastating storms, but it wasn't nearly so up to this point. Maybe I shouldn't, as, as they say in Yiddish, shouldn't give it a Kenahara. Um, <laughs> this season has been fairly, fairly quiet in terms of severity and frequency. And the season runs until November 30th, by the way. That's why I want to keep quiet, you know, say, of, of, of being, you know, of jinxing it. But We're going to knock uh, on a little bit of everything. Yes, knock on the wood. Yeah. Yes, the, the, <laughs> the wood's sitting on our shoulders right now. Um, so I don't want blatant blanket statements saying global warming caused this, global warming caused that, and, and this is the reason why so many people died. No, the reason so many people died was because, not just because of global warming, but because global warming caused the seas to be warmer and the storm got a little bit stronger. Um, or there's more moisture in the atmosphere, therefore there was more to ring out when Fiona hit the mountainous terrain and, and caused such tremendous lift and then downpours of, across Cuba and, and the Dominican Republic. So. Um, what I'm trying to say is there is a direct, there is a connection, but it's not a direct blatant statement that this was caused by this. Now, using the connection that I did describe saying that hurricanes seem to be stronger or they'll, something will happen to them, like, like the strengthening of, of the end, getting close to a category five, will that happen more frequently? Yes. The answer to that is yes, too, because the atmosphere is water uh, is warmer or the water is warmer 
but you we don't have a basis for that yet in the computers to to add on that little bit of information um to give an example like ian ian formed or, or intensified i should say ian intensified so rapidly after emerging off cuba that was that part was not expected that part i can uh, attach to global warming or the warming of the oceans at that point but um anything else you can't make a blanket statement like you know but now that brings us to the next part which is political and do you know should do we have to stop the warming of the earth <laughs> you bet your bottom we do um because then there will be a direct connection more and more frequently and um the weather will start taking on all these climate changes now they'll never become you know as one but climate will start reflecting over these last several decades uh climate will begin to reflect that change which has caused storms to change to become worse does i i hope that makes a little bit of sense there too well, we know whatever comes our way, we will be listening to your weather forecast, Craig, because you always hit the nail on the head uh, and, and we try. rely on the information you live, you, you deliver to us. So thank you so I, much. I try, Jody. You know, it's it, with all the changes going on in the media right now um, and me being at that age where I could slow down if I wanted to. Um, I, I certainly don't have plans of it yet. I'm, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll be around if they want me. Uh, that's the way I'll leave it right now. I'm still going to be around because I love weather. There's no denying that ever since I was five. So yeah, that, that's where my interest started. So I'm going to be around, I hope. Sounds good. We are going to segue now into the rapid fire question portion of our podcast. This is where we steal a page from inside the actor's studio and ask our <laughs> guests a series of rapid fire questions. I know you're going to love this, Craig. So meant to elicit a simple answer, maybe a laugh or two. Good chuckle with yep. your indulgence. Here we go. Rapid fire question. Number one, Craig Allen, what is your favorite news source? Right now, I would say media. Well, the media meaning radio. Radio, radio has okay. to be my favorite news source because <laughs> it's, it's it's I shouldn't say it's my only news source, but I have the headphones on like about, uh, what, 12 to 14 hours a day. So I can't get away from it. So uh, easily, it's the favorite then. Love it. Rapid fire question number two. What is your favorite social media platform? Oh, boy. Um, that depends on my mood because if I want information... I will go uh, go to the um, the Elon Musk source uh, as of today, <laughs> because because usually you can you can get some some good information from from there um, if you're just looking for that if you just need you know what was the score of the Islander game what was you know oh geez what 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 happened in the city today um, but when I want to sit back and kick back and relax I go to um, uh, Instagram more frequently now than I do for Facebook because I just want to look at pictures and that's it. I just want to see what, what people are up to. So I'll go with, I'll go with IG on that. I'm with you. Rapid fire question. Number three, coffee or alcohol? <sighs> can you put one in the other? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure you that, can. Why that not? Works. It's that, radio. They can't see it. <laughs> exactly. No, I'll, I'll go with coffee. I'm, I'm, I'm not very much of a drinker when I do it's, it's social drinking um i'm one of those people who was never never good at um 
and even getting drunk in in uh, in in uh, college, uh, high school or college, because I just didn't like that feeling. I I guess that's a good thing, um, but I don't like that feeling of feeling ill, and and I try to stay away from that. I, I and and so I always yeah yeah my drinking has always been held to a minimum. Love the coffee. I was going to say something after that, but I decided not to. Yeah. <laughs> Rapid fire question. Let, let me bail you out. Let me bail you out here. Rapid fire question number four. What's yeah. your favorite on the run food? Oh, um, uh, ice cream. Ice cream. Oh, that's a good one. We haven't oh, had that one goodness. yet. You know, I, I, I know it's not necessarily on the run unless you grab a cone from something like Stu Leonard's, but uh, that was a, a plug for Stu. But um, I, um, I have ice cream every single night it doesn't matter what time of the night it is but i will grab and and here's a plug for the other ones i will grab no matter what it is that i have in the house i will grab briars or turkey hill or, or or friendlies or even the store brand and i will go through a third of a box i don't even take it out and put it in a bowl i just have the spoon and i go through a third of a box of ice cream no matter what the flavor if you're gonna ask me a that, rapid that is an plan, image Yep. That is an image, my friend. I just lay down in front of the ice cream. I'm laying on the floor with a box of ice cream watching uh, watching the Islanders or the Mets or something like that. Um, and if you're going to ask me rapid fire, what's my favorite flavor? I, I, like, I like the things that are now loaded in, but I, I think all-time favorite is vanilla fudge. Sounds good. And rapid yep. fire question number five. Craig, what do you want to be after you finish this career? What do I want to be when I grow up? <laughs> who's growing up i didn't say growing up I, uh, okay that's just gonna say have i grown up yet uh okay that's that's that, that's a good one because i know exactly where i want to go with that i want to be not necessarily a philanthropist but i want to help and mostly animals i give i i give a lot and i uh, volunteer a lot of time to things like island harvest i love doing stuff for island harvest um uh, but but more so um, by the way, North Shore Animal League, um, um, uh, Last Hope, uh, the town shelters. I want to, I mean, if I could, I would buy a 20 acre farm and just take every dog and cat that I possibly could and, and, and just try to save every, every animal that, that, that needs savings, uh, saving rather. Um, so, so that's where I would go with that. I, I am such an animal lover. Yeah. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. Well, Craig, this has been a terrific conversation. You are a very public guy, but please let people know if they don't know how they can find you online. Okay. It is uh, for, the, uh, for Twitter. It is uh, Craig Allen WX. Craig Allen WX is a short form of saying of weather. So Twitter, Craig Allen WX. Facebook, it's Craig Allen on air. Not, not, not the personal Craig Allen. I, I just keep that for friends and uh, close friends and family. But so go to Craig Allen on air. And Instagram is Craig Allen 880. Oh, I'm on LinkedIn too. I have no problem. You know, so by all means. Yeah, that, that that's where we keep in touch, you and I. And I, you know what? I forgot my LinkedIn handle. <laughs> but you'll, you'll we'll, find me on there. We'll find you. We'll, we'll find, find you. It. Sure. Yep. So I'm on all this, all, all four of the uh, top social media there. I'm not on TikTok. I, I, I can't dance. I can't sing. So uh, you, but you can go to the other four and find me. 
Sounds good. Well, this has been a great conversation, Craig. Thank you very much for being here. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the show. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The <laughs> PR Podcast and send us a question or a comment. Our intro is by Christopher Apple. You can find him and his fantastic photography on Instagram at Christopher underscore A-P-P-O-L-D-T. Check him out there and hire him for all of your photography needs. You can find me online at Jody Fisher on all the socials and on the web at Jody Fisher PR. We'll see you next time on the PR Podcast.